I want to say thank you because many of you guys have inspired a lot of the decisions that I've made. We don't, we wouldn't have a podcast, a reader man podcast. If it wasn't for you guys on live who said, Hey, put it on a podcast. We would not have, um, um, we would not have content and TikToks and all of that. If it wasn't for you who inspired that. And so guys, this has all been about you and it's about been about how I can be a blessing to you all. And you guys have been a blessing to me because you guys have contributed. So thank you. All my subscribers on TikTok. I see all y'all with the Opus tags. If you see a person with the Opus tag, it's because they're subscribed. And so thank you so much for your support. I, I appreciate it. Um, and you're going to see those with the crown. So if you see someone with a crown on IG, you'll know that they are an, uh, an Instagram subscriber. So I, I thank you for that. And then I have also my Patreons. Um, those who are my patrons on Patreon, who've been with me from the gate, who continue to support. Thank you so much for your support. We're, we're not completely there where we can do this full time, but we're getting there. And I'm truly, truly grateful for you all uh, for doing that. However, that's not what we're here for. Let's get right to it because we're going to end a little bit earlier today. So we're going to go a little shorter today, but today we're going to commit our time to the reading of the word. Uh, if you have been here, you know what we do. We read the word and we rant. That's why we call this the read and rant. We're going to read for a little bit and then I'm just going to share a few thoughts for a little bit. But as I mentioned to you, and I always ask you to commit to doing this every morning as you read along with me, I ask you to pray and to prayerfully ask three questions. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? One, two, God, what are you revealing concerning me? And three, God, what are you revealing concerning people? What are you revealing concerning yourself? What are you revealing concerning people? What are you revealing concerning me? And that's what we do. We just read through the Bible and we've been reading through a big chunk of text. I love all the opuses. I see some of the crowns, all you who subscribed. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys. Um, let's get right to it. Father, I ask that you would bless this time, bless this moment, Lord. As we engage with your word, Father, I pray for your wisdom. I pray that you would give us, Lord, insight. Lord, illuminate us to an understanding of who you are and your heart. Bless each person who's here as they read this. Father, let this time be a blessing to them. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, I'm reading from a physical Bible because I left my iPad in the car. But it's the Bible. And it doesn't change and it doesn't die. <laughs> And so we're going to go ahead and draw our attention to Ezekiel chapter six. And it says this. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, set your face toward the mountain of Israel and prophesy against them and say, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains, to the hills, to the ravines and to the valleys. Indeed, I, even I will bring a sword against you and I will destroy your high places. Then your altars shall be desolate. Your incense altars shall be broken and I will cast down your slain men before your idols. And I will lay the corpses of the children of Israel before their idols. And I will scatter your bones all around your altars and all your dwelling places. The city shall be laid waste and the high places shall be desolate so that your altars may be laid waste and made desolate. Your idols may be broken and made to cease. Your incense altars may be cut down and your works 
may be abolished. The slain shall fall in your midst, and you shall know that I am the Lord God. Yet I will leave a remnant. Ooh, I like that. I will leave a remnant. Hmm. So that you may have some who escape the sword among the nations. When you are scattered through the countries, then those of you who escape will remember me among the nations where they are carried captive because I was crushed by their adulterous heart <clears throat> because I was crushed by their adulterous heart, which has departed from me and their eyes, which play the harlot before their idols, which they loathe themselves for the evils, which they committed in all abominations. And they shall know that I am the Lord. I have not said in vain that I would bring this calamity upon them. Wow. Hmm. Their eyes which play the harlot after their idols, they loathe themselves for the evils which they committed in all abominations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. I have not said in vain that I would bring calamity upon them. Thus says the Lord God, Pound your fists and stamp your feet, and say, Alas, for all the evil abominations of the house of Israel, for they shall fall by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. He who is far off shall die by, by the pestilence. He who is near shall fall by the sword. He who remains is, and is besieged shall die by the famine. Thus I will spend my fury upon them, then you shall know that I am the Lord when their slain are among their idols all around their altars on every high hill, on all the mountaintops, under every green tree, under every thick oak, wherever they offered sweet incense to all their idols. So I will stretch out my hand against them and make the land desolate. Yes, more desolate than the wilderness toward Dibla in all their dwelling places, then they shall know that I am the Lord. Wow. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, and you son of man, thus says the Lord God to the land of Israel, an end, the end has come upon the four corners of the, of the land. Now the end has come upon you, and I will send my anger against you. I will judge you according to your ways, and I will repay you for all your abominations. My eye will not spare you, nor will I have pity, but I will repay your ways, and your abominations will be in your midst. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, a disaster, a singular disaster. Behold, it has come. An end has come. The end has come. It has dawned for you. Behold, it has come. Doom has come over you, you who dwell in the land. The time has come. The day of trouble is near, and not of rejoicing in the mountains. Now upon you I will soon pour out my fury, and I will spend my anger upon you. I will judge you according to your ways. I will repay you for all your abominations. Wow. 
My eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. I will repay you according to your ways, and your abominations will be in your midst. Then you shall know that I am the Lord who strikes. Behold the day. Behold, it has come. Doom has gone out. The rod has blossomed. Pride has budded. Violence has risen up into the rod of wickedness. None of them shall remain, none of their multitude, none of them, nor shall there be wailing for them. The time has come, the day draws near. Let not the buyer rejoice, nor the seller mourn, for, for wrath is on their whole multitude. For the seller shall not return to what has been sold, though he may still be alive. For the vision concerns the whole multitude, and it shall not turn back. No one will strengthen himself who lives in iniquity. They have blown the trumpet and have made everyone ready, but no one goes to battle, for my wrath is on all their multitude. The sword is outside, and the pestilence and famine within. Whoever is in the field, I will die by the sword, and whoever is in the city, famine and pestilence will devour him. Those who survive will escape and be on the mountains like doves of the valleys, all of them mourning, each for his iniquity. Every hand will be feeble. Every knee will be as weak as water. They will also be girded with sackcloth. Horror will cover them. Shame will be on every face, baldness on their heads. They will throw their silver into the streets and their gold will be like refuse. The silver and their gold will not be able to deliver them in the day of the wrath of the Lord. They will not satisfy their souls nor fill their stomachs because it became their stumbling block of iniquity. As for the beauty of ornaments, he set it in majesty and they made it from it, the images of their abominations, their detestable things. Therefore, they have made it like refuse to them. I will give it as plunder into the hands of strangers and to the wicked of the earth as spoil, and they shall defile it. I will turn my face from them, and they will defile my secret place, for robbers shall enter it and defile it. Make a chain, for the land is filled with crimes of blood, and the city is full of violence. Therefore, I will bring the worst of the Gentiles, and they will possess their houses. I will cause the pomp of the strong to cease, and their holy places shall be defiled. Destruction comes. They will seek peace, but there shall be none. Disaster will come upon disaster, and rumor will be upon rumor. Then they will seek a vision from a prophet, but the law will perish from the priests and counsel from the elders. The king will mourn, the prince will be clothed with desolation, and the hands of the common people will tremble. I will do to them according to their way, according to what they deserve. I will judge them. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. And it came to pass in the sixth year and the sixth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I sat in my house with the elders of Judah sitting before me, that the hand of the Lord fell upon me there. Then I looked, and there was a likeness, like the appearance of fire, from the appearance of his waist and downward, fire, and from his waist and upward, like the appearance of brightness, like the color of amber. He stretched out the form of, his, of, of a hand and 
took me by the lock of my hair, and the Spirit lifted me up between the earth and heaven and brought me in visions of God to Jerusalem. Ooh. The door of the north gate of the inner court, where the seat of the imagery of jealousy was. Goodness gracious. Which provokes to jealousy. And behold, the glory of God of Israel was there like the vision that I saw in the plain. Then he said to me, son of man, lift your eyes now toward the north. So I lifted my eyes toward the north and there north of the altar gate was the image of jealousy in the entrance. Furthermore, he said to me, son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel commits here to make me go far away from my sanctuary. Goodness gracious. Now turn again, you will see greater abominations. So he brought me to the door of the court. When I looked, there was a hole in the wall. Then he said to me, son of man, dig into the wall. And when I dug into the wall, there was a door. And he said to me, go in and see the wicked abominations which they are doing there. So when I went in and saw, and there every sort of creeping thing, abominable beasts, and all idols of the house of Israel portrayed all around the walls. And there stood before them 70 men of the elders of the house of Israel stood in the midst, stood Jazaniah, the son of Saphan, Shaphan, sorry, each man had a censer in his hand, and a thick cloud of incense went up. Then he said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel do in the dark, every man in the room of his idols? For they say the Lord does not see us, the Lord has forsaken the land. And he said to me, Turn again, and you will see greater abominations that they are doing. So he brought me to the door of the north gate of the Lord's house, and to my dismay, to my dismay, women were sitting there weeping for Tammuz. Hmm. Then he said to me, have you seen this, O son of man? Turn again, you will see greater abominations than these. So he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house, and there at the door of the temple of the Lord between the porch and the altar were about 25 men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their face towards the east, where they worshiped the sun toward the east. And he said to me, have you seen this, O son of man? Is it a trivial thing to the house of Judah to commit the abominations which they committed here? For they have filled the land with violence. Then they have returned to provoke me to anger. Indeed, they put the branch to their nose. Therefore, I also will act in fury. My eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. And though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, I will not hear them. Chapter 9. Then he called out in my hearing with a loud voice, saying, Let those who have charge over the city draw near, each with a deadly weapon in his hand. And suddenly six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces, <clears throat> sorry, which faces north, each with his battle axe in his hand. One man among them was clothed with linen and had a rider's ink horn at his side. He went in and stood beside the bronze altar. Now the glory of God of Israel had gone up from the cherub where it had been to the threshold of the temple. And he called to the men clothed with linen, 
who had the riders in corn at his side. And the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry all the abominations that are done within it. To the others he said, In my hearing, go after him through the city and kill. Do not let your eyes spare, nor have any pity. Utterly slay old and young men, maidens and little children and women, but do not come near anyone on whom is the mark. And begin at my sanctuary. So they began with the elders who were before the temple. Then he said to them, defile the temple and fill the courts with the slain. Go out. And they went out and killed in the city. So it was that while they were killing them, I was left alone. And I fell on my face and cried out and said, Ah, Lord God, will you destroy all the remnant of Israel in pouring out your fury on Jerusalem? There's that word again. Then he said to me, The iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great, and the land is full of bloodshed and the city full of perversity. For they say the Lord has forsaken the land, and the Lord does not see. And as for me also, my eye will neither spare, nor will I have pity, but I will recompense their deeds on their own head. Just then the man clothed with linen, who had the ink horn at his side, reported back and said, I have done as you commanded me. Chapter 10. And as I looked, and there in the firmament was above the head of the cherubim, there appeared something like a sapphire stone, having the appearance of the likeness of a throne. Then he spoke to the man clothed with the linen and said, Go in among the wheels under the cherub. Fill your hands with coals of fire from among the cherubim and scatter them over the city and he went in as I watched. Now the cherubim were standing on the south side of the temple when the man went in and the cloud filled the inner court. Then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub and paused over the threshold of the temple and the house was filled with the cloud and the court was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. And the sound of the wings of the cherub was heard even in the outer court and the voice of the almighty God when he speaks. And it happened when he commanded the man clothed in linen, saying, Take fire from among the wheels, from among the cherubim. And he went in and stood beside the wheels. And the cherubim stretched out his hand from among the cherub to the fire that was among the cherub, and took some of it and put it into the hands of the man clothed with linen, who took it and went out. The cherubim appeared to have the form of a man's hand under their wings. And when I looked, there were four wheels by the cherubim, one wheel by one cherub, another wheel by each other cherub, and the wheels appeared to have the color of burl stone. As for their appearance, all four looked alike, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. This sounds familiar. Then they went. They went toward any of the four directions. They did not turn aside when they went but followed in the direction of the head, sorry, the direction the head was facing. They did not turn aside when they went, and their whole body with their back, their hands 
their wings, and the wheels that, that the four had were full of eyes all around. As for the wheels, they were called in my hearing, wheel. Each had four faces. The first face was the face of a cherub, the second face the face of a man, the third the face of a lion, and the fourth the face of an eagle, and the cherub were lifted up. This was the living creature I saw in the river Shabar. Ooh, this is good. This is real good. When the cherub went, the wheels went beside them, and when the cherub lifted their wings to mount up from the earth, the same wheels also did not turn from beside them. When the cherub stood still, the wheels stood still, and when one was lifted up, the other lifted itself up, for the spirit of the living creature was in them. Then the glory of the Lord departed from the threshold of the temple and stood over the cherubim. And the cherubim lifted their wings and mounted from the earth in my sight when they went out, and the wheels were beside them, and they stood at the door of the east gate of the Lord's house, and the glory of Israel was above them. Sorry, the glory of the God of Israel was above them. This is the living creature I saw under the God of Israel by the river Shabar. Ooh. And I knew they were cherubim. Each one had four faces and each one four wings. And the likeness of the hands of a man was under their wings. And the likeness of their faces was the same as the faces which I had seen by the river Shabar. Their appearance and their persons. They each went straight forward. Do I have time for one more chapter? Of course. Why not? Let's do it. There's a lot here. Then the Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the east gate of the Lord's house. Each faces eastward. <clears throat> and there at the door of the gate were 25 men, among whom I saw Jazaniah, the son of Azur, and Pelatiah, the son of Benaiah, princes of the people, and he said to me, Son of man, these are the men who devised iniquity and gave wicked counsel in the city, who say the time is not near to build houses. This city is a cauldron, and we are the meat. Therefore, prophesy against them. Prophesy, O son of man. Then the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me and said to me, Speak, thus says the Lord. Thus you have said, O house of Israel, for I know the things that come into your mind. You have multiplied your slain in the city, and you have filled its streets with the slain. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, your slain, whom you have laid in its midst, they are the meat, and this city is cauldron. But I shall bring you out of the midst of it. You have feared the sword. And I will bring the sword upon you, says the Lord God, and I will bring you out of the midst and deliver you into the hands of strangers and execute judgments on you. You shall fall by the sword and I will judge you at the border of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord God. This city shall not be your cauldron, nor shall you be meat, nor shall you be the meat in its midst. I will judge you at the border of Israel. 
and you shall know that I am the Lord, for I have not walked. Sorry. And you shall know that I am the Lord, for you have not walked in my statutes, nor execute my judgments, but have done according to the customs of the Gentiles, which are all around you. Now it happened while I was prophesying that Pelatiah, the son of Benaiah, died. Ooh. Then I fell on my face and cried with a loud voice and said, Ah, Lord God, will you make a complete end of the remnant of Israel? Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, your brethren, your relatives, your countrymen, and all the house of Israel in its entirety are those about whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, Go far away from the Lord. The land has been given to us as a possession. Therefore say, thus says the Lord, although I have cast them off among the Gentiles, and although I have scattered them among the countries, Yet I shall be a little sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. Therefore, say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples, assemble you from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And they will go there, and they will take away all its detestable things and all its abominations from there. Then I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within them. And I will take the stony heart out of their flesh, and I will give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my judgments and keep my judgments. Sorry, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. As for those whose hearts follow the desire of their detestable things and abominations, I will recompense their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord. So the cherubim lifted up their wings and the wheels beside them, and the glory of God was high above them. And the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood on the mountain, which is on the east side of the city. Then the Spirit took me up and brought me in a vision by the Spirit of God into Chaldea, to those in captivity. And the vision that I had seen went up from me, so I spoke to those in captivity. All things the Lord showed me. I'm going to stop right here. Um... This is weighty. It's heavy. But it's got me all stirred up. Um, it's got me beyond excited. It's awakening me, even as I'm reading it, it's awakening me because it's pointing to a present reality. It's important to understand that when we read the text and we read scripture, that we don't simply read it from a, an academic or a, from a philosophical perspective, but that we read it through an experiential lens. 
Because what we're also paying attention to is when we read this scripture, remember we said this, the, the Bible is, the Bible is not a book, but it's a collection of books. That was not a book, but it's a curated collection of narratives and stories. And it's a curated collection of narratives and stories that come through the perspectives of those who have had encounters with God, inspired by God. And often when we read it, we simply see it as, what is God saying, but not realizing what is the experience that the writer is having and how the writer now, through communicating that experience, brings revelation to who God is. It's important, and I love that that term, that, that the hermeneutic, is we sometimes run things through a cultural hermeneutic, a political hermeneutic, like we run it through a political lens, a cultural lens, and yet we don't read it in its purity through an experiential lens because the experience of the person who we are reading and writing it will give us insight and perspective to the experience that we are having in this present moment. There's nothing new under the sun. And so what the scripture is pointing us to is how God interacts with humanity, how God interacts with mankind, how God moves through humanity and how God moves through mankind. And what we're seeing here is how God is speaking to Ezekiel through Ezekiel, through his experience that he's through the experience that Ezekiel is having with God. This is so powerful y'all because for those of you who've, we, we've been reading through the story of the children of Israel. And I hope this time that you spent in the reading of the word has opened your eyes, illuminated you to the truth of what the Bible is really about. Because I think sometimes we make the Bible something that it's not. Actually, the church makes the Bible what it's not. This, this particular portion of text can lead you to have fighting words to what we call the institution of church today. This particular portion of text can give you all the fodder, all the fuel to start a fire or an explosion in what we call the institution of church. Because what people call church isn't necessarily the body of Christ. And so I see this and man, it's got me fired up. It's got me fired up because it's convicting. And at the same time, it's revealing. It's convicting. And yet at the same time, it's also encouraging. And I'm explaining to you how and why. To give some context to this, I want you to understand that this is Ezekiel who is sitting on the side of a river we, we opened it up, right? That, that was our reading yesterday. When we, when we read Ezekiel, we opened it up with him at the river at Shabar, where he has this revelation. And he sees these four, these, these, these four beasts. And he's confused. He sees these four beasts in this vision with these four heads. And he sees the wheels. And, and he, so he sees these four wheels and he sees their wings. And then he sees a figure sitting on top of it, one resembling the glory of God. So he sees that. 
And, and of course, he's perplexed, he's confused, he doesn't understand it. And then the voice coming from that experience points to the fact that he has been called to prophetically speak to the people. He's been commissioned as a prophet to speak to the people. And the words that he is speaking are words of accusation to the people. We see how it begins, but it's interesting how we get to chapter 11. I'm going to stop right here. How in chapter 11, we see he returns back to these same creatures, these, these cherubim. Well, sorry, these four creatures who have these four faces and these wheels sitting with this, this glory and this presence sitting on top of it. And it's very, very interesting to me how he experiences this glory in Babylon at the river Shabar. And yet he's now being given insight. If you want to know what this is about, from what we read in chapter, at the end of chapter four, to now chapter 11, what he's receiving is explanation as to why this particular figure has appeared to him at the river Shabar in Babylon. To give some context here, Ezekiel was among the first captives in Babylon. When you read about the, um, the failed uh, siege of the Babylonians on the, on Israel in I believe it's in Second Kings chapter twenty four. We've by the way we've read all of this and we've read this in First Kings. We've read all this in Second Kings. Ezekiel is living during the time of Second Kings, and in Second Kings chapter twenty four, when we hear of the captives who were brought back to Babylon, Ezekiel was among the captives. Ezekiel has been pulled away from Israel. He's been pulled away from his home, pulled away from his people. Now an exile in a captive in a foreign land where he has no rights. He has, he's been disenfranchised. He's captive. And in that state and in this condition, he goes to the river Shabar, and there receives a vision from God with these four beasts, with wheels and these wings, perplexed by it. And then God gives him another vision so that he can see how he had encountered this glorious image in a place that no one would expect it. I don't have the time, fam. And I wish I had enough time to break this down because there's so much to unpack and so much to break down. But what we were reading in chapter 10, verse 14, from verse 14, describing again what he saw in chapter 1, giving more detail to the appearance of what he saw in chapter 1, and remember, he says in verse 20, this is the living creature I saw under the God of Israel by the river Shabar. 
and I knew that they were cherubim. So verse 20 tells us, this was what I was looking at before. This is what I saw before. I saw this already. And now he's showing it to me again. But this time, he's showing me where this was assembled and where it came from. And so now he takes him back. He takes him back to Israel and shows them the vision of the temple, takes him back to Israel and shows them all the abominations that are happening in the nation. He takes them back to Israel and shows them their idolatry and shows them their injustice and shows them how they've been living. And in doing so, exposes the reason why Ezekiel encounters him in exile. I want y'all to think about this for a second. The temple, the temple was where the Israelites worshiped God. The temple was the emblematic representation of the presence of God. The temple was intricately, meticulously designed in a way so that the children of Israel can understand what the presence of God would look like around his people. This was the embodiment of the presence of God. This is where God is worshipped. This is where the sacrifices were made to God. This is where Israel... And so Ezekiel, who is a man of God, has been pulled away from what we would describe as the presence of God. Ezekiel has been pulled away into captivity along with thousands of other Israelites. And some would say that the ones who stayed were better off than the ones who were captured and taken back. The ones who stayed were better off than the ones who were ripped from their homes, ripped from their families, who now are in a foreign nation, in a foreign land where they ain't got no social security, where they have no finances, where they have nothing set aside for them. The ones who were in their place of comfort have now been pulled out of their place of comfort and now been put in a place where they're the outsiders. They have no home in Israel and they have no home in Babylon. They're living in pure captivity. And some would say that it's those people. They're the ones who've been pulled out. They're the ones who've been kicked out. They're the ones who've been removed. And now they're in a foreign land. Captives. But the thing that kept popping up to me as I'm reading this, I'm sorry if I get a little lit and a little excited here, but the thing that I keep reading over and over again the word that kept popping up every time it popped up and just kind of jumped at me was that they weren't the captives. They were the remnant. They weren't the captives, but they were the remnant. The remnant is the, the cream at the top of the coffee. The remnant is the, the, the beauty in the periphery. The remnant is the creme de la creme. The remnant is the ones who've been sifted out. The remnant, the remnant, they're not captives. They're the remnant. They're the leftover. The good part of the leftover. And it would seem that as a remnant, 
It wasn't that just life happened to them that pulled them out from Israel. But it seemed that the wisdom, the righteousness, the justice of God was doing a work through them and in them, selecting them carefully to be called and ordained for this particular moment and this particular time. These people were being ripped out of their place of comfort, ripped out of that institution, and being pulled and now brought to a foreign land and a foreign city. The remnant is the ones that God has ripped out, that God has a plan for for a particular moment, in a particular time, in a particular season, and among them is Ezekiel. They weren't the people that God just somehow bestowed upon them bad luck. And it's easy for you to look at these people and say, man, they had it bad because they got ripped out of their land, taken away from their, their, their place of comfort, taken away from their city, and yet these were people who God was ordaining, setting aside for something different, for something new. Ezekiel being among the remnant now. Ezekiel, who's absolutely depressed. The man's eating crap sandwiches. Y'all remember we were just reading that. This man who was speaking prophetically concerning the children of Israel, he you would have thought he was speaking to the Israelites in captivity. But he was speaking to the Israelites who still have not been taken away yet. The ones who are still in the land, the ones who still have the temple, the ones who still have the institution, the ones who are still comfortable, comfortable in their sin, comfortable in their idolatry, comfortable in their injustice. The ones who now have, even though they weren't subject politically or under the oppression and the power of the Babylons, were still under the influence of the Babylons. How do we know that? We know that because he tells Ezekiel, he gives Ezekiel a vision, sends Ezekiel back to Jerusalem, sends Ezekiel into the temple, the temple, y'all, where the presence of God is supposed to be. The temple where we worship God, the temple, the institution where God is worshiped. He goes there and what does he find? He finds they're worshiping everything other than God. When Ezekiel goes back to the temple, he finds that they're worshiping everything other than Yahweh. Rather than worshiping God, what he sees is people worshiping Babylonian idols. He sees them worshiping Babylonian gods. He sees them practicing Babylonian worship. Now, I can't emphasize this enough, and maybe we, we just don't have enough time for that, but go and see how the Babylonians worshiped. You would see the kind of debauchery, the kind of activity that they were performing. And now in the holy place of God, in the holy presence of God, these people came into the temple, they came into the land, and they began to practice those things in the temple of God. 
they allowed Babylonian worship, Babylonian influence to take over the temple. Ah, the institution of religion, the institution of the temple, the thing that everyone looks at and says, that's where God is. That's what God is doing. That very thing is the thing that now they're worshiping everything other than God. And it has me thinking today, fam. I'm sorry, because I got to go in a few minutes. It has me thinking, fam. How different is what Ezekiel is experiencing different from what we experience today? How different is it when we look at our institutions and we look at the temples that people have built and we look at the temples that people have created and we look at these institutions that we call churches that people build? The question that I have to ask is, are they worshiping God or are they worshiping the idols of their time? What drives them? What motivates them? What, why do they even exist? Is it God? Or is it power? Is it influence? Is it celebrity? Is it what are the things that drive the existence of these institutions? Because you can say that this is the temple of God. But the reality is, is that God isn't really there. The reality is you're worshiping everything other than God. And there are many churches today. I'm sorry if I get lit for a minute, but there are many churches today that have a semblance of righteousness, have an image of righteousness. But the reality is, is that God is not there. What he chose Ezekiel is as the people go into the land, sorry, as he goes into the vision and as he goes into this temple and he sees the priests are worshiping these pagan gods. And he sees these women are worshiping these pagan gods. And then in the image, he begins to see that very thing he saw by the river lift up from the temple and literally leave the city. God had already left the building. God is not in the temple. <laughs> God wasn't in the t temple. God wasn't in the sanctuary. God wasn't, he wasn't there anymore. And I have that question for folks to ask him, are you sure God is still there? I see stuff on social media. I see clips of pastors preaching. And the things that they're preaching do not resemble or image God at all. They're not being driven by scripture, but driven by race, by politics, by preference, by comfort, by everything. And, and, and honestly, the church for a lot looks like simply propaganda for the culture today. There's no, no distinction at all, but Babylon has already showed up. Babylon was in the temple, y'all. Babylon was sitting in the temple, and we wonder why. We see no power in the church. 
And we wonder why we see no influence in the church. And we wonder why people aren't moved by the church anymore. We wonder why the church has lost relevance. The reason why the church has lost relevance is because God isn't in it. (laughs) Just because you call it a temple of God does not mean God is in it. And here's the, here's the unfortunate reality is that, well, unfortunate for those who still idolize the images of the church, idolize the images of the temple, idolize the images of whatever it is that you call God. They're out there worshiping and God had left a long time ago. So who does God go to? God gets up and leaves. Where does he go? This is where this this is so powerful. This is so powerful because we get to chapter 11. Sorry, we in chapter 10, we get to chapter 10 and he tells us where God went. That image, that image that Ezekiel saw in chapter one came from God leaving the temple. Sorry. Yeah, that image that he saw in chapter one came from God leaving the temple of, it, of, of Jerusalem. There's some folks who have been kicked out of the church. For whatever reason, you've been pulled out. For whatever reason, you've been hurt by the church. Yeah, you've been rejected by the church. I got something to tell you today. Just because they call themselves a church and even have the term church of God in it doesn't mean that God is in it. And it could be that even though you had gotten kicked out of the church, it's actually an opportunity for you to get to meet God and get to know God. Because if God isn't in the church, maybe you need to get kicked out of it in order to meet him and to get to know him. Some of you have gotten kicked out Some of you have been pulled out, captives, haven't found anywhere to go, anywhere to plug in. I'm talking to you today. There's so many people who've been abused, who've been manipulated, who've been ostracized. I'm talking to you. Some of you had to leave the church to find God. And it's not to say that God can't be in the church, but just because a church has the name God in it doesn't mean God is in it. You were ostracized, rejected. You were thrown to the side. And yet it was finally a privilege for you to actually get to meet God. What a privilege it is that some of you actually got to get kicked out because God wanted to meet you. And so he had to take you out of the church to meet you. This is a privilege for many of you. If you've been kicked out, rejected for whatever, I want you to know that God loves you more than anything. More than anything in the world. And some of you have that testimony. Who can say, I am just like Ezekiel. I was kicked out of my church, but it was by a river that I met God. Some of you, the river Shabar is, it could be whatever for you. 
for some of you, the River Shabar was at home. For some of you, the River Shabar was meeting a, a person and a friend who embodied the heart of Jesus. For some of you, the River Shabar was finally getting the message of hope on TikTok. For some of you, the River Shabar was on Instagram. For some of you, whatever the River Shabar was for you, thank God for it, because some of you had to be rejected to finally get to meet God. Ezekiel met him in the river. And God showed up to Ezekiel in the river because God left that institution that they called the temple. And there's some folks right now who think that they need to go back to a temple to meet God, and yet God had already left a long time ago. God does not reside in buildings. He resides in people. And the grace and the hope that God has is not in the people who are in the building, but in the remnant. That's why this remnant thing is so powerful, because God is actually meeting the remnant. The ones on the periphery, the ones on the outside, the ones who have been rejected, the ones who've been kicked out, the periphery, the remnant. And, and, and so I want to encourage the remnant here because there's some remnant right now. You grew up in church, got kicked out, but you had an experience with God and you can't unexperience it. There's a remnant that God is saying, I'm going to do a work in you. The folks who are in there, their hearts are too hard. Their hearts are too hard, but the remnant, I'm going to do something with you. The remnant, I'm going to reveal the purity of my heart and who I am and my character. And so today, if you're part of the remnant, just know God has called you for such a time as this, and God wants to meet you right where you are. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Even as we come here, Father, I pray that you would bless each and every person here, Father. Let them know that they are loved by you. But let them know, Lord, that you have called them, that although they may have been rejected, you have chosen them. And so, Father, for those of us who live in exile, for those of us who are part of the remnant, let us be encouraged today, Lord, that we can still encounter you right where we are and that we can meet you there, get to know you there so that you can use us there. And we say that in your name we pray. Amen. Fam, I got to go. Again, subscribe. Become a patron. Your support means everything. It's what makes this possible. And Instagram folk, you can now subscribe on Instagram. So please support, subscribe. I'm excited about creating some exclusive content for you guys, but I love y'all very much, very, very much. I do this regardless of if you subscribe or not, okay? I'm gonna keep doing this, but doing it opens doors for me to do more. And it's because of your support and your subscription is, it's because of all that, that I'm able to do all this right now, okay? I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for, for you guys. So you guys make that all possible. So I love you guys very much. Again, Patreon, just click the link in the profile and we can, and you guys can figure out ways to support, ways to connect. Text me. That link is also in the profile. The text number is 954-231-1848. But regardless, whether or not you support, I'm going to keep doing this because I, I love y'all and I want you guys to finally get a pure encounter and a pure understanding of what it is that you're experiencing. So God bless you guys. Thank you in advance. I will see you guys tomorrow. Love y'all.
Peace out.